0: turn back to Romans chapter 5. This is our third service during this series, and I've started teaching from Romans chapter 5, and I read from around verse 12 down through verse 21, and I tell you, this is just powerful, powerful stuff, and every one of these verses are things that I could literally preach on for an hour per verse, and I've tried to speed through this. And uh, let me just say that we've already talked about that in these passages, he's making a comparison between Adam and Jesus, but it's an opposite comparison. It's actually a contrast. And he says five different times in these verses, starting with verse uh, 15, he says five different times that in the same way that death came upon all men through what Adam did, not through what you do. But what Adam did, and I tried to make a major point of that last night, that a lot of people think it's their own sin and their things that they've done that separated them from God. But actually, it's what Adam did that plunged us all into a situation where we were born with a sin nature. Ephesians chapter one, verses one through three talks about that we were all the children of the devil and had the nature of the devil in us and the spirit of disobedience working in us. It is not that there are some people who are good and bad. You know, it's hard for me to teach on this because there are so many profound truths in this and most people don't know these things. And this is basic Christianity and yet most people don't know it. But did you know that this nation was founded by people who believed these exact truths. And you can read the founding fathers. Sometimes people will point out people like Thomas Paine and some others who were deist, and they will try and say that they weren't really Christians and stuff. But man, there were some strong, strong Christians. I think out of the people that signed the declaration, I've heard this... Um, statistic I forget but there was like 13 full-time pastors and many of them had education uh, from a godly perspective and anyway my point is that they believe that men were not basically good that men are basically bad And that you, if you left people to themselves, that this sin nature would take over. There needed to be controls. And this is why they would not put one person completely in control of this nation. That's why we have three branches that have checks and balances on each other because they knew that if things were allowed to go without structure, that it would go bad. Anyway, I could expound on that for a long time, but these verses are saying that. That through one man, Adam, sin entered into all people. But in the opposite way, through one man, Jesus, new life has come unto all people. And specifically, this is talking about the gift of righteousness. And there are five times in these verses that it just makes this point, that in the same way that you were, you inherited sin, you inherit righteousness through Jesus righteousness is not something you produce and obtain. You aren't in the process of becoming righteous. I used the verse this morning, Ephesians four twenty four, that you were created in righteousness and true holiness. When you got born again, you became righteous. And I begin to share some things from a teaching that I have entitled spirit, soul, and body that will show who you are in the spirit and that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. First John chapter four, verse 17. Man, if you've missed any of this, again, I encourage you to please get the CDs of this session or the DVDs because I can't go back and reteach it, but it is awesome, the things that I've been sharing. This is what changed my life. And it says in the last verse here of Romans chapter five, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death. And I've explained this already, but this is not talking about your individual actions of sin, but this word is a noun. A noun describes a person, place, or thing. A verb describes an action, something that a noun does. So this isn't talking about the actions of sin. This is talking about this sin nature. Dominated you. That's what the word reigned means. It controlled, it dominated the sin nature dominated you and produced death, which is not only talking about physical death, but it's talking about depression, sickness, poverty, anger, bitterness. All of those things are a form of death. Anything that comes as a wages, wage of sin is death, Romans 6.23. And so it's saying that this sin nature reigned unto death In the same way, but an opposite way, now grace, God's grace bestowed upon us through sending Jesus and Him taking our place, this now reigns, controls, dominates, but it says specifically it happens through righteousness. And again, this isn't talking about your acts of holiness, self-righteousness, it's talking about an imputed righteousness, a righteousness that you received as a gift when you got born again. And this morning, I spent a great amount of time trying to show that this righteousness is in your spirit. If you're trying to see it in the mirror, if you're trying to feel righteous, feel God's acceptance, you're gonna miss it. It's in your born again spirit and the word. John 6, 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You have to use this word like a mirror. It's a spiritual mirror. And if you want to see what your spirit's like, you just hold this word up and whatever it says about you, that's the way it is. And you've got to get to where you believe that just like when you look in a mirror and trust what you see there. This says that you were created in righteousness and true holiness. And somebody might say, well, Isaiah 64, six says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's talking about your self-righteousness. If you're trusting in yourself, your self-righteousness is like a filthy rag. But in the New Testament, first Corinthians chapter one, verse 30 says, Jesus is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. If you say as a Christian that all of your righteousness is is a filthy rag, you're calling Jesus a filthy rag. Jesus is your righteousness. You are righteous. And unless you understand that, unless you understand that you are in right standing with God and nothing is separating you from God, you won't reign in life. You may believe that God has power, but until you see your position in Him, so that another scripture that I use this morning is 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. Not so are we going to be in the next world, but so are we right now. The only way you can understand that is it's talking about your spirit. Your body's not like Him right now. Your mind and emotions isn't like him, but in your spirit, the part of you that was born again, you were created in righteousness and true holiness and you are identical to Jesus. Another scripture I didn't use this morning is 1 Corinthians 6, 17. And it says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And the word for one in the the Greek there is hes, H-E-I-S, and it means a singular one, to the exclusion of another. In other words, it's not saying that we are one in the sense that we're similar. He's up here and we're down here, a little Jesus. In the spirit, you are one, a singular one. You're identical. If there are things as atoms and molecules in the spirit realm, you're atom for atom, molecule for molecule, identical to Jesus in your spirit. Everything that's true of him is true of you. You have the mind of Christ. You have the faith of Christ. And yet how many people say, oh God, just give me more faith. You don't need more faith. You've got the faith of God. Romans chapter 12, verse three, the very last phrase in that verse says that God has dealt to every man, the measure of faith, not a measure of faith, but the measure of faith. You know, if I was serving everybody, if everybody in here, if we were giving you a meal and if you came by and if I had a ladle, a single ladle, and if I use that to dip out this chili or soup or whatever it was, then you know what? Everybody would get the measure of soup. But if I had a ladle for some and a teaspoon for others and a tablespoon for another and an eyedropper for one and a straw for another. And if I had different measures, then all of you'd get different amounts. But if you only have one measure, then that means everybody gets the same amount. Did you know you have the measure of faith? You have the same measure of faith that the apostle Paul had. And somebody would think, I don't either. Yes, you do in your spirit. You say, well, I don't see it. Well, it doesn't mean you can see it because that which is in the spirit is in the spirit. You've got to perceive it by faith. And it's only as you perceive it and believe it that you start seeing manifestation of it, but you have it. The apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God. If you've got the reverse standard version or the not inspired version, it'll say, I live by faith in the son of God. But it literally is talking about, I live by the faith of the son of God. And if you'll go back to the 16th verse, it says that and explains it. You aren't living by putting faith in God. God literally imparts his faith to you. You can't get born again with human faith. Human faith is based on what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And yet when you're believing for salvation, you're believing in a God that you've never seen. You're believing in things that you can't see or feel. It takes supernatural faith to receive salvation. So how is it that you get saved? Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't get born again without hearing the truth of God's word because God's word contains his supernatural faith. And when you get born again, you take that word and you are literally using his faith, his supernatural faith that came to you through the word of God to receive his salvation. We were so destitute that you couldn't even believe on your own. God had to help you believe by giving you his faith. And Paul said, I am living by the faith of the Son of God. So Paul had the faith of Jesus. And if there's only one measure of faith, you've got the faith of Jesus. You don't have a faith problem. You've got a knowledge problem. It's like a car that's got all of the equipment. Everything will work. You've got this battery there, but you've got a loose cable. And you can't tr- transfer that power and get the thing started because your cable's corroded. Many of us have a loose wire. <laughs> Many of us haven't made the connection. And you know what? In your spirit, you've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You've got the same faith that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got everything that you need, but the problem is your brain is unhitched. It's not connected. You haven't put some things together. And all of this power is in you. The Scripture says that when we stand before the Lord, the Lord is going to wipe tears away from our eyes. And many of us interpret that as, well, it's because we're just going to barely limp into heaven and we're going to be sick and we're having poverty. And when we finally get to heaven, we're just crying and everything. I believe it's going to be more like that. It says that we will, when we become like him, we will know all things, even as we are known. And we are going to get a full revelation that we had the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in us bodily Colossians chapter two, verse nine. And when we see that we have had all of this power and then we realize that we let sickness mess us up and kill people and we lived in poverty and we had depression when the whole time we had the fullness of his joy on the inside of us, We're gonna, there's going to be weeping and crying and gnashing of teeth about, oh God, I live so far below my standard and God's going to have to come and wipe away tears from our eyes so that we can enjoy heaven. Many of you have been thinking, oh man, when we all get to heaven, what a day that'll be. Well, it will be awesome because we'll have a renewed mind and I will have a glorified body. But when you get to heaven, you're going to find out that you already had everything all along and you were asking God to heal you and the whole time you had healing on the inside of you. You were asking God to prosper you and the whole time you were already blessed with all spiritual blessings. This is why the Bible says in Philemon chapter one, verse six, Paul prayed a prayer for Philemon and he says, I pray that the communication of your faith would become effectual. That means it would begin to work by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. If you don't know what's in you, then you will live a substandard Christian life through ignorance. Some people will say what you don't know won't hurt you. That's not true. What you don't know is killing you. I prayed with a number of people tonight that I didn't say this to them because I had a line and I didn't have time. But you know, I just thought these people are coming and just talking about how terrible their life is. And would you please pray? And they are looking for God to just zap them. They're looking for something to come out of the sky and somehow or another set them free. And if I would have had time, I would have said your whole philosophy is wrong. That's not how you receive from God. It's not through coming and letting somebody pray for you and wave, wave their hand over you and you get set free. Everything you receive comes from the inside out. And if you want deliverance, you got to get set free in your heart and in your emotions. And when you get set free and start operating in faith, then this power flows right through you and out. And yet most people just live a life of defeat going through, not knowing what they have. what I'm saying is you do not understand righteousness. And that's why grace isn't reigning unto eternal life. That's why you're struggling and going through things. You have a knowledge problem. You don't know who you are. So I'm trying to share who we are and the righteousness that we have. And so anyway, I could spend hours summarizing what I've already said, which I just nearly did. But let's turn the page or go to the next verse in chapter 6, verse 1. If you were to study the whole book of Romans, he had just made the case for God doing everything through Jesus. It's not based on your goodness. It comes by grace. You don't earn it. God commended his love towards you. And while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And he had made this point so well that people, I'm sure, were thinking, hey, the way you're talking about it, can we just go live in sin because of grace? If God loves us in spite of what we do, whether we've done good or bad, well, can we just go live in sin? That's what the next verse says. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, he's going to answer that and show you no, that's not what he's saying. But let me point this out. Paul said this three times. I think it was Romans chapter 3, verse 8, right here in Romans 6, 1. And then in Romans chapter 6, I believe it's verse 15, he says the same thing. So three times in this one book, he says, am I saying that you can live in sin? And of course, the answer is, God forbid. No, that's not what I'm saying. But if that question never comes up, when you hear somebody preach and talk about God, and if you say, man, can we just go live in sin? If that question never comes up, then you haven't heard the same gospel that Paul was preaching because he had to deal with this constantly. Three times in the book of Romans, and he also dealt with this in the book of Galatians. And I can guarantee you the average person in here has probably never sat in your church and heard a sermon and thought, man, is this just saying that I can go live in sin because God loves me independent of my performance? Most of you, this is a brand new thought to you, and that's because you haven't heard the same gospel that Paul preached. If you preach the gospel correctly, people are going to think, man, is this just saying that sin doesn't matter? No, that's not what we're saying, but that is a logical question. If sin has been defeated, not just the actions of sins, but this sin nature has been defeated. Does this mean then that we can just go live in sin because all of our sin, past, present, and even future sins have already been atoned for? I know that that may be a radical statement to some of you and I had not taught on that yet, but I have a whole series out there entitled Redemption that will show you that you have past, present, and even the sins you haven't committed yet have already been forgiven and atoned for. Does that mean then that we can just go live in sin? The answer to this is in Romans chapter six, verse two, and he says, God forbid. In the Greek, that is an absolute unqualified negative. No way, no how. No, this is not what I'm saying. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what I'm saying. And he gives two reasons in this chapter why you don't live in sin. And I'll summarize them first and then I'll go back into detail. But the first reason is you're dead to sin. You shouldn't even want to live in sin. The second reason in verse 16, it says, know Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So the second reason in this chapter is that whoever you yield to, you empower them to control your life. And Satan is the author of sin. So if you yield to sin, you are giving Satan a free shot at you. That is so simple. You have to have somebody to help you to misunderstand that. And yet I am amazed at how many people They take the grace of God and they say, so it doesn't matter. I'll just go shack up with this person. I'm not going to get married to him. I won't make a commitment. And you know what? God loves me anyway. Yeah, he does. He absolutely loves you, even if you're living like a dog. But you are just stupid. Forgive me for being blunt, but it's just stupid. You're just throwing open the door and saying, shoot your best shot at me, devil. Come and destroy me. Have, have all you want. And the Bible says in John chapter 10 that the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. If you give Satan an opportunity, he'll eat your lunch and pop the bag. I use the same stuff over and over and over. Those are mostly Bible college students. They... They've heard that a few times. But you know what? It's just, why would you do that? What does, well, God loves me anyway. Sure, he loves you, but you're just stupid. That's just crazy. Why would you give the devil a free shot at you? Why would you let him come and just see how much he can destroy your life? Because, well, God loves me anyway. Well, yeah, he loves you, but that's not all you're dealing with. You've got an enemy out there. You've got an enemy that is going about seeking whom he may devour. And so you just go live in sin because God loves you anyway. You are going to let Satan just run roughshod over you. There is protection in following God and obeying God. It's like, you know, if there's a storm and it's raining and you've got this big umbrella or covering over you that is covering you and protecting you from the rain. But then you say, well, God loves me whether I'm under this umbrella or not. And that's true. So you just walk out from under it and then you get wet, something happens and you say, God, why did you let this happen? He said, I didn't move. (laughs) You're the one that moved. You're the one that walked out from under this protection. There is a supernatural blessing on your life when you are, are obeying God. And it's not because God just blesses you and loves you. No, God has said, here's what I have for you. He said that you are supposed to commit yourself to one person and not sleep around and do multiple things. God didn't say that because he hated you and didn't want you to have a good time. He's the one that made you. He knows what makes you tick and you will be happier to have one mate for a lifetime than you will having multiple people. And some of you disagree with that. That's because you're leaning under your own understanding and you've been corrupted and polluted by this present world and you're wrong. God knows what makes you tick and you would be happier to be committed to that person. And God said this for your own blessing and protection. And so if you go out from under it and you try and do things your own way, you're going to suffer. You're going to get AIDS. You're going to get sexually transmitted diseases. And then you come back and say, Oh God, why did you let this happen? God didn't do it. God didn't make you sick. There's consequences to your actions. I don't understand why people struggle with that. They, they just think, well, God's the one that's punishing this person because they did stuff wrong. No, God loves you. You know what? You don't have to. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make God love you more by being perfect and you can't make God love you less by living in sin. God doesn't love you less. He's not mad at you. That is a huge departure from the majority of of Christianity. But it's true. God loves you independent of your performance. So does that mean that your performance doesn't matter? God forbid. No, that's not true. But as far as God goes, God's not dealing with you based on your performance, but you are just absolutely stupid. So how many times have I said stupid here? They actually write it down. Ten already? Oh, I don't think I did ten. Have I said that you're absolutely stupid yet? That just that doesn't make any sense. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Praise God. All right. So here he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there in Again, I made this point last night. There are 49 times in the book of Romans that the Greek word harm, I can't pronounce it, but anyway, this Greek word that was translated sin 45 times and sins, plural, four times. There are 49 times that that word was used in the book of Romans and all but one of them was talking about a sin nature, not an action of sin. And so this is talking about how shall we that are dead to this sin nature live any longer therein? You aren't dead to sins. You can commit sin, but you are dead to your sin nature. And some of you are looking at me like, I'm not dead to my sin nature. Man, it seems to hold sway over me. This says that you are dead. So which is true? Your experience, what you feel, or what the Word says? The Word is true. How do you understand this? This is what I want to try and explain to you about your old nature. Your old sin nature is gone. It is gone. You don't have an old sin nature if you've been born again. If you have not been born again, you do have a sin nature. And it doesn't matter if you go to church And if you turn your collar around backwards and if you dress a certain way, it doesn't matter how holy you act on the inside. If your nature has not been changed, God relates to you based on whether or not you are by nature a child of the devil or whether you have received his salvation and you are by nature born again. It's all based on who you are in the spirit. It's not based on your actions and the way you think and feel. That is a brand new wrinkle in a lot of people's brains right there. Most people do not think that way, but that, that is revolutionizing. If you could understand what I just said, God is a spirit, John 4, 24, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot approach God in your flesh based on who you are and what you've done. You've got to do it through the spirit based on what he has done. And according to these verses, you are dead to that old man. That old man died with Christ. Look in the next verse, verse three. Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. This is not talking about water baptism. There are a number of baptisms. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 talks about the doctrine of baptisms plural. Most people when you say baptism, they think of water baptism. But in Romans or 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 12, it says when you get born again, you are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And then John the Baptist said that when Jesus comes, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it's easy to see that those are two separate baptisms because in one, Jesus is the baptizer into the Holy Spirit. In the other one, the Holy Spirit is the baptizer into Jesus. So there's many baptisms. The word baptism just means immersion, being totally saturated. And so... Those are two baptisms. Water baptism is a ritual, a rite, a ceremony symbolic of what happened to you when you got born again. But the moment you're born again, you are also baptized into his death. You are a you die with him is what this is talking about. So this is what this is talking about in verse 3. Know ye not that as so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried. Notice the terminology. We are buried. This is not something that should happen. This is something that has already happened. When you get born again, you instantly in the spirit were baptized into his death and you died with Christ to that old man. It's not conditional on whether you understand it or know it. It happened. This is what it's saying. So in verse four, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Notice the terminology. We are baptized into his death. You are dead to sin. But you should walk in resurrection power. That's not automatic. The death with Christ to the old man is true. If you are born again, you are dead to that old sin nature. It's happened. Whether you like it, understand it, know it, it happened. But you aren't going to experience it until you know some things. Look at the next verse. In verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which the previous verse said we have, we shall be also in the likeness of his death, verse six, knowing this. And remember that this wasn't written in chapter and verses. This isn't a separate thought. He is saying that we, if we have been planted together in his death, which we have, you will be in resurrection power if you know this. If you don't know this, you won't experience it. And brothers and sisters, most of the body of Christ doesn't know this, what we're about to say right here. This is radical, radical doctrine to most people. But you have to know some things. The death to the old man is done. But the resurrection and walking in resurrection power are ruling in life through righteousness, as it says in Romans 5, 21, is conditional on knowing this. So what do you have to know in verse six? You have to know this, that our old man is crucified with him. Not is being crucified, not can be crucified, is in the process of being crucified. You have to know that your old man is dead, gone, non-existent. You don't have an old spirit. You don't have a sinful nature. Most Christians believe that when you get born again, you were by nature a child of the devil. So you've got this sinful nature. And then when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and you get a new nature. And they actually believe that they have a dual nature. That you're schizophrenic. That part of you is God and part of you is devil. And you know what? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe that there's a part of you that is just of the devil. It's sinful. It's evil. If you believe that, you know what—you'll eventually wind up acting that out. You'll resist to the devil for a while because maybe you understand that you're going to be shamed, you'll be embarrassed, or whatever. But it—you know—things persist. You just kind of feel like, well, after all, this is who I am. But if you could understand that you have been changed at your core, your nature is changed, and you don't have an old man anymore, and if you could see yourself in Christ the way I was teaching this morning and see that you're righteous as Jesus is, so are you in this world. You were created in righteous and holiness, and you're pure in your spirit. If you could see that, and if that became your identity as you think in your heart, that's the way you'd be. If you could see yourself that I'm a new person, And I've been a failure my whole life. And I've done all of these things wrong. But in my spirit now, I am identical to Jesus. I have His power and ability. And as quickly as I can renew my mind, I'm going to start acting like it. If you could see yourself that way, I guarantee you, you'd change. The reason most people don't walk in healing is because they see themselves as, well, I'm just no sinner saved by grace. And they believe God can heal, but they don't believe that they have any access to it. They have to pray and get 100 people on the prayer chain to pray and call it down. But if you could ever understand, like it says in Ephesians chapter 1, that you already have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Ephesians 1.18. If you really saw that you had this, you would not put up with the problems that you've got in your body. Many of us just let things go. And well, it's, I can still function. I can still get around. I've got pain and I get stoved up and I don't move as well as I used to. But you know what? I'm getting, and you just put up with it because after all, you're only human. I am not only human. One third of me is wall to wall, Holy Ghost. One third of me is born again. I'm not only human. There's a part of me that's human and I'm susceptible to things the way that other people are. But you know what, because I know who I am in Christ, if I'll focus on that and be spiritually minded, that spirit man will dominate my physical body and change things. You do not have to just put up with poor eyesight and hurts and pains and this and that and all of this stuff. You can walk supernaturally. Moses was 120 years old and his natural force wasn't abated or his eyesight dim. If that's the way Moses was under an inferior covenant, how much greater now that you have God living on the inside of you and you are by nature a child of God. You can walk in supernatural health. You can walk in supernatural prosperity. You can walk in supernatural joy and peace. It's been, I don't know, 40 something years since I've been depressed. I don't believe in being depressed. Amen. Some of you, you can't control that. See, that's the reason you're depressed because you accept it. You just feel depression and when it comes, well, I'm only human and so you accept it. Go take a pill for it. You ought to take the gospel. Find out who you are in Christ and let the emotions that are in your spirit dominate you. I remember being with Derry and Karen and they were asking me something about healing and I just remember telling him, I said, I don't believe in being sick. (laughs) That shocks people. Well, Like you can't control that. Well, don't wake me up because that's the way I'm believing. I don't believe in getting sick. So you have to know this, that your old man is crucified with him. So this begs the question, if my old man is crucified, how come it seems like I have this draw towards sin? How come it seems like I lose my temper? How come I, it seems like it's easier for me to get angry and operate in bitterness than it is to operate in forgiveness? Why is depression easier than joy? Why is healing harder than walking in sickness? If you're saying that I don't have this old man and this power of sin's been broken, why do I still live this way? It says right here, your old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth you should not serve sin. You've got to understand that your old man is dead but it left behind a body. Just like when a person dies in the physical realm. Did you know that you, you, the Bible says in James chapter two verse 26 as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also. The spirit is what gives life to your body. This is just my earth suit that I get around in. It's like a car that enables me to go someplace. This is what enables me to function in this environment. But the real me is a spirit. I am a spirit that has a soul and I live in a body, but the real me is a spirit. And when my spirit leaves, this body dies. But did you know it'll stay around for a while? I've actually talked to people who I was wondering why they weren't responding to me and they were dead. And I didn't know that they were dead at first. I was talking to them and they were dead. A friend of mine, he used to work in Parkland Hospital and he did autopsies on bodies. He was on the 13th floor of Parkland Hospital. And he pulled his body out of one of these coolers on a slab and put it on this table and he brought it over here and he turned around to get some of his tools to start an autopsy and when he turned around this corpse was sitting up and its eyes were open and its arms were dangling like this. And he said he nearly jumped right out the window. <laughs> he went running out of that room screaming and he got some people and they came back and they ch- and this corpse was dead. But did you know that a dead body still has electrical impulses and a muscle can contract. And this person, it just so happened that their muscles in their back contracted and they sat up and their eyes popped open and he thought they were alive and yet they were dead. The spirit wasn't there, but it left behind the body. Likewise, when your old man, your sin nature died, it is gone, but you know what? It left behind a body not talking about your physical body, but it left behind an entire way of thinking. Your old nature taught you how to be selfish, taught you how to fear, taught you how to hate other people and operate in insecurity and everything else. And it's like your mind is a computer and your old nature, before you got born again, programmed your brain how to work how to think only about yourself, how to put yourself ahead of everybody else. If somebody hits you on one cheek, you hit them back harder. That's the way the old man programmed you. Now, if you've been born again, your old man is gone. You don't have that old nature that compels you to live like that, but you still got an unrenewed mind if you haven't got into the word of God and reprogrammed your thinking. This is why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, and be not uh, conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed is the word metamorpho in the Greek. It's the word we get metamorphosis from, talking about where a caterpillar spins a cocoon. This creepy crawly thing comes out a beautiful butterfly that can fly. If you want transformation, like from a worm to a butterfly, Total transformation. You do it by the renewing of your mind. Your spirit is already changed. In the spirit, you're identical to Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. You have all faith. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, but it doesn't do you any good if you still think like an old man. If you still think, well, I'm just... I've always been bitter and angry and that's who I am. In your spirit, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance against such there is no law. That's what's in your born again spirit. Love, joy, peace, all of these things, they're there. But if you don't know that, you'll go by what your old man taught you and you'll think, I'm just an angry person. My whole family's been this way. I've always been type A personality. You know, I hate these little tests that they give you. I actually had uh, Pastor Dean in Charlotte, Pastor um, Karen's brother, give me one of these personality test things one time. And did you know what? It was scary accurate. I mean, it was scary. Like somebody has been following me around and writing things down. It was scary how accurate it was. Somebody says, well, then why do you not like it? Because it'll tell me how I am right now. But then it'll say, this is who you are on your nature. This is your nature. And they will tell you, you are limited to this. You are bound to this. You can't change. That's wrong. That's wrong. In my spirit. I'm identical to Jesus. I have love, joy, and peace, and power, and all of these kind of things. You could test my flesh and tell me how I am right now, and I may be able to get some benefit out of that and see some areas I need to work on and improve, but I reject that that's who I am at my core, at my nature. That is not true. It's just like taking a snapshot of who I am right now, but it does not limit who I can be or tell me who I am in the spirit. Only the word of God can tell me what my spirit is like. And there are many of you that have just bought into this lie that, oh, I'm a caloric, I'm a melancholy. I'm a type A personality and you bought into these things and you think that this is who you are. That's what your old man made you, but you are identical to Jesus in your spirit. And if you would go by the word of God, you could change this mean personality that you've got and you could become a loving, kind person. Amen. You do not have to be as mean as a snake. <laughs> You in the spirit are awesome, but you will continue to function the way you were programmed until you reprogram it. And if you aren't careful, many of you think, but this is just who I am. No, that's who you were made to be. That's how you've been taught. But the part that made you that way, that nature When you got born again, you died to that nature. You do not have a fallen human nature in you if you're born again. You've got the life of God in you and the only thing that is keeping it from working is you don't know something. You think you're still by nature just an old sinner, but you're saved but your nature is an old sinner. That's not true. You were an old sinner, but you got saved by grace and now you are the righteousness of God. You have his ability on the inside and you do not have to be this fearful, insecure person anymore. You don't have to be bitter. Some people say, but I was abused when I was a child. Well, you've been born again since then. You're a new person and in that new spirit has the power and the love and the joy of God but I still feel the hurt. That's because you're in the flesh. Yes. Yes. People don't like what I'm saying because you know what? You say, oh, well, you're taking all of my defenses away from me. <laughs> the way I've coped is I'm a victim and it wasn't my fault. This person made me this way. I was raised in a dysfunctional home and that's the reason I'm a jerk. <laughs> and people take great solace in the fact that it's not my fault that I'm so messed up. Other people made me this way. You know, temporarily that makes you feel a little bit better. You don't have to deal with the fact that you're the one that, that took an offense. But it also makes you a victim. You can't ever be a victor if you're a victim. Right. And if other people are your problem, and if other people made you this way, you'll never change because you can't change other people. Your authority ends at the end of your nose. You don't have authority over other people. You can't pray that the world will never treat you wrong again and nobody will ever push your hot button. Satan's got more than enough people to cooperate with him and come across your path and do something wrong. You're going to have people offend you and do stuff wrong the rest of your life. This is why I get so upset when people talk about bullying and because of bullying in school, people are now killing themselves and committing suicide. And so now they're turning against all of the bullying. Did you know we had bullies when I was in school and nobody committed suicide? Am I saying that bullying is good? No, you, de- you deal with that. And we used to deal with it. We'd take them to their parents and we'd deal with it. I'm not saying that bullying is all right, but you know, it's like you've got an excuse to go kill yourself. Nothing can make you go kill yourself. That's a deficit on the inside of that person. It's the weakness in our society. Man, I can say a lot of things about that. But see, people just, they don't understand who they are and they think, but I've been bullied. My brother was bullied. I was bullied. My brother used to come home and have, I mean, cuts and bruises all over him. And I remember my mother saying, don't you dare do anything. My dad pulled him over to the Side and said, you defend yourself. And he says, they're bigger than me. And he and so he whispered something to him. And anyway, the next day we couldn't find my brother when it was time to come home from school. And we waited a long time. Finally, we just started home and we crossed this bridge and we saw my brother standing down there with a brick in each hand, two boys laying on the ground and two running across the field. And you know what? He never got bullied again know somebody, well, that's the wrong approach. It worked and nobody died. (laughs) Nobody hung themselves. So the way that they're doing it now is better. Anyway, (laughs) you're, you're perfect in Christ. The only problem is that we've got this mindset, but you know, this happened to me when I was a child. The only reason that's still dominating you 30 years later is because you empower it by thinking on it and feeling that you can not help it. And it's because of the influence of this world that has degraded all of us to the level of an evolved animal. We just evolved and came from slime. And so you're no different than a dog or a cat. You're just evolved a little bit more. And so if somebody steps on your tail and hurts you, you got a right to gripe the rest of your life. That's not true. You are made in the image of God and you can get born again and you can get your nature changed and you do not have to limp through life. You can be healed of things. Pull your thumb out of your mouth and grow up and take responsibility and find out who you are in Christ and quit letting what happened to you 30 years ago ruin today. Amen. And I know some of you are thinking, so you're saying it's my fault. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You may not have caused the problem. Other people may have done something to you, but it's you that has let it fester for 30 and 40 and 50 years and make you limp. Amen. You know, I love this. It just empowers me to find out that I am not this weak thing that I just pray that nothing bad ever happens in my life because if something bad happens, it might ruin me the rest of my life. Man, I don't care what the devil does. Shoot his best shot and Jesus is bigger and I'll overcome it and he'll help me get over it and I'll live through it and I'm going to succeed. Charlie and Jill sang about it tonight. I will not be afraid. It's easy to sing in a song. It's a little harder to live, but you can get to a place to where Jesus, I don't care what the devil does and I don't care how I mess up. You, you are bigger than us and, and I know who I am in Christ and I'm going to overcome it. I will live. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bow and I won't burn. Amen. Amen. I'm not making much progress on this, but <laughs> you have to know this, that your old man is crucified. And then you have to destroy the body that was left, the wrong thoughts, the wrong attitudes, the wrong identity, thinking that you're only human and the that your whole family's always been like this. Your whole family's always been, they just are immoral people and they just sleep around. Your whole family just always gets mad and they have a temper and this is the way everybody is. And so you've adopted it. You're the one that empowered that. You are a brand new person in your spirit. And the only thing that's experience, that's keeping you from experiencing that resurrection life is that you don't know this, that your old man is gone and you haven't destroyed all of that wrong thinking that was kept... Uh, In you, If you will recognize your old man is dead and then you renew your mind and destroy the body, the things that that old man left behind, the end result is that you will not serve sin. It's that simple. If you're living a life of sin, you may say, oh, but God, I'm praying that you'd help me to quit. He's already helped you. He put the same power on the inside of you that he used to create the world. And all you got to do is believe it's there and then start renewing your mind and saying, I can do this. I have this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you go to believing that and you'll overcome your habit. You'll overcome things. I had a guy come to me one time and said, I just, I speed. I can't help He had already gotten three tickets and he was going to lose his license. And he says, I can't help it. I just have a heavy foot. I can't help it. I speed. And I said, that's a lie. <laughs> And he said, no, honestly, I just can't help it. And I said, let me ask you, if I was to get behind you and cock a gun and put it to your head and say, if you hit 56 miles an hour, I'll blow your brains out. Could you go 55? He says, yes, I could. (laughs) And I said, see, you can do it. You just lack motivation. (laughs) Some of you are saying, I can't lose weight. I I just overeat. I can't help it. That is not true. You can do it. Somebody said, I I just can't help it. That's that's a lie. You can do it. You know, most of you in here are adults and you feed yourself. You hadn't had somebody feed you since you was a little kid. (laughs) Everything that you put in your mouth, you choose to put it in your mouth. Nobody fed you today. You fed yourself. And if you are overweight, the only way you get there is to eat more than your body needs more often than you need it. And you can get into all the health deal and oh, well, you need to do this and you need to reduce fat. I can promise you, just cut your food in half. Eat your desserts, eat your junk food, do anything you want to, but eat half as much of it and you'll lose weight. It's impossible for you to gain weight without stuffing your mouth with more food than your body needs more often than you need it. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> See, people don't want to accept responsibility. Oh, I can't help it, I just look at food and gain weight. That's not true. (laughs) If you will know that your old man is dead and I can do this, I'm no longer bound to this. I'm no longer trapped in my lust and stuff. And so you change your thinking and say, I can do all things through Christ. You see yourself united with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that raised Christ from the dead ought to be enough to help you over that donut. <laughs> Amen. If you got raising from the dead power on the inside of you, you ought to be able to deny your little lust. In verse 7, it says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Notice it didn't say that you're free. It said, you're freed. There's a difference. I remember going into prisons and I used this exact verse and preached to people. And I said, you know, if I told you that you've been freed and that you're free to go, I said, that doesn't mean that you're going to get out of this cell. I could free you. I could unlock the door. I could actually have a court order that sets you free. But unless you get up off the bunk, put your shoes on, push the door open, walk past the guards, believing that you are free. You could be freed and yet stay in bondage and live in a cell the rest of your life. And this is what Christians are doing. Christians are saying, oh God set me free from this the whole time. You've been freed. If you are dead, when you got born again, you are dead to Christ is what these first few verses say. You have been freed, but you have to get up and start walking in your freedom. And I can guarantee you Satan, the old jailer, will come around and say, You can't do that. You can't overcome this. You failed every time you've ever tried it, and he'll tell you that you're still in prison and you're just gonna have to stand on the word of God and say, No, I've been freed. And I am gonna walk in freedom. Walking in freedom is up to you. It's God's part to free you. He freed you, but whether you walk free is up to you. Whether you renew your mind And recognize some things. Grace reigns through righteousness, understanding what has happened to you in your spirit, man. And most people don't know that they've been freed. And so they are sitting there feeling that it's justice for me to be behind bars. It's justice for me to be sick. It's justice for me to be poor. It's justice for me to have my marriage fail because I haven't been the husband or the wife that I'm supposed to be. And so you just take what you deserve when the whole time God has given you what Jesus earned for you and not what you deserved. Man, that is great news. In verse eight, now, if we be dead with Christ, which the previous verses says you are, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now notice being dead with Christ is true. But whether you live in that freedom is dependent on some things. The next verse says in verse nine, knowing that Christ, this is just like verse six, you have to know this. You also have to know some things. And right here it says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. There are some people that had been raised to say, well, when you got born again, you died with Christ. But your old man resurrects every day and you have to die to yourself daily and you have to die to this sin nature. That is not true. This is likening it to the death that Christ died. And it says, you have to know this, that Christ uh, died, he he dies no more. Let's see, where is that? Verse... um, Nine, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. In verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God likewise Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed. That means in truth, in reality, unto sin. Not the actions of sin. You can still commit actions, but you are dead to that sin nature. Nothing compels you anymore. Your old nature, your old man is gone but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the same way that Jesus died once and he never dies again, death has no more dominion over him. You've got to see that you died unto sin one time when you got born again and Satan no longer has the right to make you sick, angry, bitter, poor, depressed, discouraged, anything. The only reason you have any of those things operate in your life is because you haven't renewed your mind and you still are programmed by the old man and see yourself as weak and inferior. You don't know who you are. You know, when I was a kid, I remember that I don't know if everybody had this problem, but I used to have problems buttoning in my shirt. And I would always wind up with it buttoned wrong. And I remember my dad saying, What's wrong with you? and trying to get me to button my shirt. The reason I mention that is to say, I know it's, it didn't just come naturally because I can remember. I'm old enough to remember having trouble buttoning my shirt. And yet, guess what? I buttoned my shirt tonight and I don't even remember doing it. It's like it just came naturally but I know it didn't come naturally because I can remember when it used to be hard. but now I've done it so many times I can button my shirt and I don't ever get it wrong. I always get it right. It might, some people might say, well, it just comes naturally. No, it's an acquired trait. You can do something so many times that after a while, it's like it's just a part of your nature and it just automatically works. And that's what happened. Many of you have just been mean and angry and bitter and selfish and depressed and, on and on it goes, all these negative things. You've done it for so many decades that you think, I just can't help it, it's my nature, but it's not true. Your old man, according to the scripture, is dead and you have to reckon it dead. You have to, In Texas, we would say, somebody says, are you coming over? Well, I reckon so. That means you can count on it. You can count on it. You have to believe, reckon yourself to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. You are dead. And the only reason that we are still bound is because we have done these ungodly things and ungodly attitudes so long that we feel like it's a part of our nature, but it's not. And you can renew your mind and you can literally change, be transformed through the renewing of your mind so that you prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I know people that before they got born again were just dope heads. They were way out there. And they get born again, and now they tell me about what they used to be like. They show me their driver's license before they got born again. They tell me what their life used to be like, and I look at them and I'd say, if I didn't believe you and trust you as being an honest person, I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe that you were ever that way. They are so transformed that you could never imagine. I had an uncle that used to smoke and he smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day. And this is back in the 1920s or something like that, 20s and 30s. And he had a doctor show him a cadaver and they cut a person's lungs in two and saw the black stuff that was in the lungs. And my uncle, got sick and threw up and never smoked another cigarette. And I mean, to the day he died, when he was nearly 90 years old, if he smelt cigarettes, he would throw up. He went exactly the opposite. And people think, well, you can't change like that. But see, it was just a total renewing of his mind. He saw something that motivated him and he was totally different. This is why I disagree with things like um, the 12 step programs I'm not saying that they don't work and they may be a good step for some people based on where they are and it could actually help them to a degree. But the thing I disagree with them is they just constantly reinforce, reinforce like Alcoholics Anonymous. You'll stand up and say, hello, my name's Andrew. I've been a drunk for 30 years, but I've been sober for 10. Yeah, and that's what they'll do. You've been there, huh? But see, the thing I disagree is that when you come to Jesus, you aren't a drunk anymore. You were a drunk, but you've been changed and you do not have to live the rest of your life with a drunk mentality. But in a sense, this is what most Christians do. They no longer are the whoremonger or the liar or the thief or whatever. They aren't committing the actions, but they still see themselves as this adulterer this liar, this thief, just forgiven. That's not true. Your nature is changed. And if you could renew yourself and see yourself that I am totally free, you could not only break the habits and quit doing the things, but you could be free from the guilt and the condemnation knowing that I'm a brand new person and you don't go through your life feeling like that you're just one drink away from being off the wagon again. No, I'm a totally changed person. right. Amen. It's a totally different approach. Man, I had so much to share and I'm out of time. I had some really good things I'm getting to, but you know what? The heart can absorb more than the seat can endure. And so I'm going to take a break. I don't ever finish. I just quit and we'll take this up again tomorrow morning. And I've got some great things to show you right here. I didn't get to those tonight, but... If you could understand what I'm saying, that your nature has been changed. You are not by nature anymore a child of the devil. There is no relationship between you and the devil except your unrenewed mind, your memory of when you lived under his control and dominance. And if you could get into the Word of God and see that you're a brand new person and that you've been changed and renew your mind and begin to identify with who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ and see yourself as an overcomer, above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. And if you could see yourself that way, you would be that way. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, seven. I tell you, this is critical. This is so important. And yet most people don't go by what the word says. They go by how they feel and they know that they still have, like say, for instance, maybe you operated in sexual sin before you got born again. And you know what? You're still tempted. And you think I'm just the same. I've just now am forgiven. No, that's not so. The part of you that was bound to that and didn't have the ability to overcome it has been destroyed. It's dead. It's gone. And the only reason you are still bound to that is because you haven't renewed your mind. You haven't changed the programming. You are still indulging yourself in some things that you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't be thinking on that. And you ought to, re-change. You ought to change yourself. Amen. That is awesome. And there's not a lot of Christians that really understand their right standing with God. And that's why grace isn't reigning through righteousness unto eternal life. Most Christians are living a substandard life because they don't know these things. They are saying, I am by nature defeated. And if you believe that, it will empower the devil. It will empower the devil. Most people approach Satan as a superior foe when the truth is he's a defeated foe and he does not have any rights. This is why the Bible says we have to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan doesn't have power to make anybody do anything. His only power is deception and lies. That's why the truth will make you free. When you know the truth, all of a sudden the power of deception is gone and you are instantly freed from Him. I tell you, this is critical, the things that I've talked about, and there's so much more. I wished I could tell you everything I know all at once, but I can't. That's why we have all of this product, believe it or not. I'm not trying to sell stuff. We give most of our stuff away. At meetings, we we you know, have a price and we tell people to give because we've had people take bags and walk out with 60 and 80 tapes and stuff. So I've started, you know, putting a price on it here because we have a lot of freeloaders that come in here and it'll just bleed you dry. (laughs) Was that too plain? (laughs) But over 50% of the people who ride into us don't send a penny and we send stuff out to them anyway. I'm not out selling stuff, but what I am, I've got all of these awesome truths and revelations from God's word that have literally changed my life. And I'm trying to get you free. And I can't tell you everything I know in one time. So that's the reason we bring all this materials. And I promise you, anything I've got out there would bless you. I left all of the junk at home. You could go get anything I've got out there and it would change your life and help you to renew your brain. Amen. Amen. And I tell you, Bible college is just, Bible college is like a gospel truth seminar for two years. It just changes your life. It's awesome. Father, I love you and I thank you for these truths and I I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help people to understand that we are no longer by nature a child of the devil, that we have been set free. I pray that they would understand their righteous position and so that grace could reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to give us understanding and make these truths come alive. And Satan, we just serve notice on you that you're, you are a liar and a deceiver and I've exposed you in your lies and I believe that demonic things and powers are broken in people's lives right now that they are going to quit giving place to you, that we now know the truth and the truth is setting us free from your lies and deception. Father, we thank you that we are freed and we choose to reckon it to be so and to get up and walk out of ourselves and walk free from this bondage and oppression. Thank you, Jesus. There's some of you in here that you just, you believe God can set you free, but you don't have any sense of power or authority on your own. You come before God as a beggar. Oh God, would you please touch my life? You need to come before God and say, thank you for what you've done, that I've been set free and that I'm the head and not the tail. And you need to get an attitude. You need to get mad at the devil and say, I am not going to let you lie to me anymore. You have power to resist sickness. Satan can't make you sick without your consent and cooperation. Most people don't respond very well to that. But it's true. I asked some people tonight, and how do you respond to all of this sickness? And they just kind of looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, you need to get angry. You need to get mad. The Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Most people think, "What well, you can't just resist cancer. Yes, you can. You can refuse to have cancer. You can refuse to be sick. You can refuse to have pains and aches. Some of you think, boy, you're weird. Well, I think you're weird. Guess what, I'm the one that's been walking in health for 44 years and hadn't had a pill and hadn't gone to the doctor and I'm the one that's in health. If You hadn't got that kind of a testimony. Maybe you ought to listen to somebody else. I'm not saying these things to hurt anybody, but I'm just trying to break us out of this mold. Many of us think that you just got to be weak and defeated. It's a lie. You have been changed. And as quickly as you can get your mind in agreement with your spirit, you can walk in supernatural life, supernatural power. If there's anybody here tonight who's not born again, then all of the things I've been talking about, about your sin nature being gone and you having a new nature and you just needing to renew your mind, it doesn't apply to you. It doesn't matter how much you renew your mind. If you are still living with an old man, a sin nature, then that's the part of you that can can only fellowship with God and a sinful nature cannot have a relationship with God. You must be born again. You need to humble yourself and quit trying to change yourself based on your own actions and you need to receive the gift of righteousness. Receive a new nature. Be born again. That's what that word is talking about. You have to be born from above and given this new nature as a gift. If that's never happened to you, you need to do that tonight. And then once you're born again... The Lord told his disciples after they were saved, don't go anywhere, don't tell anybody, don't do anything until you receive power from on high. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Christian life isn't just difficult, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to live the way that I'm talking about on your own. It's impossible for you to understand what I've been talking about tonight, without the intervention of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to have the Holy Spirit quicken things to you. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. It includes many things, but it includes speaking in tongues. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues, I can guarantee you it's like charging hell with a water pistol. You need power. You need something more. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need speaking in tongues. It'll change your life. Is there anybody here who'd say, I need one or both of those? I'd like you to pray for me. Anybody? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Here's someone over here. Anybody else? Be bold. Here's, some, here's a couple over here. Three, four. Praise God. How many have we already had? 125 people have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and 12 people have been born again. Praise the Lord. We had like 150 new people tonight and out of 150 people, there's probably got to be more than a dozen people who haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know some of you are thinking, well, what are you going to do if I raise my hand? I hadn't got a church for you to join. I hadn't got anything. We aren't going to take anything from you. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to give you a free book. Somebody says, well, I've tried this before and nothing happened. What if I go up there and nothing happens? Well, nothing happens. But I can guarantee you this, if you stay there, nothing's going to happen. There's some people that are just so afraid that they might fail that they don't ever risk anything. And that's the greatest failure of all is being so fearful that you just won't take a chance. We aren't going to do anything bad to you. We just want to pray with you and help you and give you a free book. So if you raised your hand, or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and let us pray with you and help you to receive here tonight? Come forward right now and let us pray with you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't this awesome? I believe you're never going to be the same. It's going to change your life. It changed my life. You know, we've had 125 people already come forward for this, and so I know that many of you have already received, but I just know in my heart that there's more here That for whatever reason you aren't coming forward. There's many of you think, I don't believe you have to speak in tongues. I don't believe you have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. Somebody says, are you saying that I can't go to heaven if I don't speak in tongues? No, that's not what I'm saying. You can go to heaven without speaking in tongues and you can get there quicker if you don't speak in tongues. You aren't going to have any power to be able to overcome. You can go to heaven without speaking in tongues, but why would you want to? Somebody says, well, I believe it's the least gift. Well, you can't do that which is greatest until you receive that which is least. You need to receive it. I just know in my heart that there's some people out there that are, whatever, you're sitting there and you aren't coming forward. I'm trying to encourage you to come forward. Praise the Lord. there's another half dozen people there's at least six people sitting out there that ought to be up here and you know what i'm not going to force you but i am trying to urge you to come forward you won't regret it So here's three. There's at least three more. There's probably more than six, but there's six that the Lord was wanting me to deal with. There's still three of you out there that for whatever reason you hadn't come forward. And the Lord is stopping his whole service for you to get you to come forward. So here they come right there. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I tell you, this is going to transform your life. It's going to totally change you. I actually changed more when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit than I did when I first got born again. Not that being born again isn't important, but that's kind of internal. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is how you renew your mind and release all of this power that was put in you at salvation. So I tell you, this is going to be a big thing in your life. This is going to make a huge difference to you. Amen. Is everybody up here absolutely certain that you're already born again? The Bible says you have to receive Jesus first before you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are you sure that you're born again? Is anybody not sure and you want to pray? Amen, brother. We're going to pray with you and you're going to be born again right now. Isn't that awesome? Anybody Anybody else? Are you sure? I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but there's a lot of people that they just assume that I go to church, I'm a good person. Isn't that enough? No, it's not. You got to be born again. And here's a lady right here. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. That's great. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray with these two. And you know, Jesus already died to forgive your sins. You don't have to ask him. Jesus, will you forgive me? Because he's already done it. But you have to receive it before it becomes a reality. And the Bible says the way you receive it, in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's more than just saying the words. You got to literally make Jesus Lord. That doesn't mean you'll do it perfectly. You're you're not saying I'll never make a mistake because you can't live that way. But you are willing for him to be Lord of your life. You're wanting him to run your life. You're turning your life over to him. It says, if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Isn't that good? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to make a bargain. God, I'll never mess up again because you can't do it. He's already provided it. Now, will you just reach out and receive it? Are you all willing to pray with me and receive that? Isn't that great? Awesome. Awesome. I'd like to ask everybody here to pray with me so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. And let's say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you now live in me. I am forgiven. I am saved. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that, brother? Do You believe that? Welcome to the family. Awesome. 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 Do you believe that? Do you believe that what you pray that Jesus is in your heart? awesome. Welcome to the family. Man, you waited a long time to pray that prayer. You know what? Praise God. The rest of your life, the best is yet to come. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, you're a brand new person on the inside. You know, on the outside, you're still a man. And you know what? You still got the same mind, but your spirit, like I was talking about tonight, you're brand new. You just got changed. You're a brand new person. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says that when everybody prays a prayer like that and makes Jesus their Lord, that you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He created you in their spirits. They just became a temple for the Holy Spirit. So this means that this is what God made you for. He would never deny giving you the Holy Spirit. You were created to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, God has been waiting for this night your whole life. He's been longing for an opportunity to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Don't let some feeling of unworthiness stop you. Some people teach that you can't receive the Holy Spirit until you get holy and stop all of these things and do everything right. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you have a problem in your life means you need the power of God and he wants to give it to you. So don't let any sense of unworthiness stop you. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. So I'm just gonna lead you in a simple prayer. We're gonna open up the doors of this temple and welcome the Holy Spirit to come in. And he's gonna come in. He said in Luke 10 or Luke 11:13, 13, if you be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You ask, he gives. Amen? And then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and lay hands on you. They're going to stand behind you. And after I lead you in prayer, they're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that they received the Holy Spirit when the apostles laid hands on them. So we can actually release the Holy Spirit through laying on of hands. So I'm going to lead you into prayer. Then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And after they lay hands on you and release this power, I want you to quit asking for the Holy Spirit and instead thank God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you feel like. Just take a step of faith and say, I know it's going to happen. And so after they lay hands on you, I want you to start thanking God out loud that he gave you the Holy Spirit. And at that time, after they lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands. Because the Bible says that when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. It's just like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. This is your way of yielding. It's your Holy Spirit antennas. Amen. So after they lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands and just start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit. And then those of us that have this baptism of the Holy Spirit are going to start speaking in tongues and worshiping the Lord. The Bible says when you speak in tongues, you are giving thanks well. You're praising God in a heavenly language. So we're going to start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. And as we pray in tongues, I want you to quit thanking him in English and just start thanking him in tongues. Start speaking in tongues. And I've got a book that will explain this. I know that most of you, this is new to you and you're saying, I don't understand, how do you do it? I've got a book that will explain a lot, but here's the number one thing that I've found that hinders people. They think that the Holy Spirit's gonna force you to speak in tongues. And so they just stand here and wait on the Holy Spirit to force you to start speaking. That's not how it works. It's very similar to like I preached tonight. I believe that God spoke through me but he didn't force me to say anything. If I would have just opened my mouth and said, Oh God, speak through me and then wait on the Holy Spirit to make me talk. Nothing would have happened. I spoke, but I believe that God inspired it. That's the way speaking in tongues is you have to start speaking. It says in Acts two, four, they spoke with tongues as the spirit gave the inspiration. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He inspires you. He gives you the urge, the desire, but you have to start making sound and believe that the Holy Spirit is giving it to you. And at first you may question, is it really me or the Holy Spirit? It is you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And after a while, he'll confirm it to you, prove it to you. I've got a lot of things I'll share, but I'm just promising you, you've got to start speaking and trust that the Holy Spirit's inspiring it and it will just flow out of you it's going to work. Amen. The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer and I will speak in tongues. Amen. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you for these two that got born again. Thank you that in our spirit, we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we open up our heart to you right now. We open up the doors of our temple. And Holy Spirit, we want you. We welcome you into our lives. We want your power. We want you to quicken our understanding. We want this gift of speaking in tongues. And we just want everything that you have for us. So we open up our hearts to receive. We lay hands on you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power of the Holy Spirit to flow into you right now. Thank you, Jesus. And here's the power in the anointing. Brother, you're being delivered of all kinds of stuff. You had given Satan inroad into your life. It's all over right now. Broken in the name of Jesus. Father, we loose this power of the Holy Spirit to flow through every one of these right now in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to put your hands up and start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Just thank him out loud. Thank you, Father, that your word's true and that I am God-possessed, that your Holy Spirit has control of me. It's flowing through me. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you that know how to pray in tongues... Let's pray in tongues right now and start glorifying God. And as we speak in tongues, you speak with us. Just speak. Be bold. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth and you got to talk. You know, if you don't know what to say, You can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but your tongue will not be the same as theirs. It'll come out different. You'll say things differently. And once you start making sounds, just keep speaking. And then quit listening to yourself. Talk to God from your heart. And you may think that doesn't sound like a real language. When a little baby first talks, it doesn't sound like a language, but you know what? That parent knows what that baby's trying to say, and as you keep talking, it just gets more and more fluent. Don't worry about what it sounds like. You're bypassing your brain. You're praying to God out of your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Banco a Rosi de la Bacorosin, and a la Casa, la Bacor, no, 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 no. Bolamindera Cabrosin de la Eberombocore, a Samba Cabarotolombabrea, the Tar. Bria Shombole de Kike, la Bacora de Damba. You know, everyone that I can tell up here is speaking in tongues. I believe that just about every one of these is speaking in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Let me have your attention here for a minute. You know what's happened to you tonight is more important than what you understand. I can promise you, you do not understand the fullness of what happened to you, but this is one of the greatest gifts that has ever happened to any of you. But you've got to understand it. It's like I was teaching tonight. You got to know this for it to work. And so I've written a book about all of this that I'd like to give every one of you, even if you didn't speak in tongues, I believe God gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit and you just have to go ahead and get free. It took me a long time because I was a Baptist and I'd been taught that this was of the devil and it took me a while to speak in tongues. But you know what? i can speak in tongues with the best of them now. And I got my mind renewed and I wrote all of these things that were a problem for me down in this book. And I promise you, it will help you to speak in tongues. So I really want every one of you to please go to the effort of getting this book. We've got Robert right here. He's the man that's standing here with his Bible up. And we've got a room right off to the side here and we've got all of these books in there. It'll also tell you about what salvation is and help you to understand what happened to you if you got born again. So if you would, just follow Robert right here. He'll give you a book. They'll pray with you. They'll help you any way that they can. Praise God. Let's thank God for all of these. That's awesome. That is awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, these are our prayer ministers up here. And these are people who are Bible college students. Some of them are partners with us. But they've all been through a training And Ashley and Carly have taught them how to not just beg God to do something, but to take our authority, recognize who we are in Christ, and speak and command healings and command things. And so they are here to minister to you. There's a lot of people that want to look at the minister and think, I'm the only one that can pray for you. But every one of these have the same power on the inside of them that I have, and they have renewed their mind. And we've been seeing some great, great miracles happen. So I want to offer them to you that if you need prayer for anything, they can spend time with you and minister to you. So if you'd like prayer for anything, I'd like you to just get up out of your seat right now and come forward and let one of our prayer ministers pray for you. If that's you, come forward right now. We've got people standing at the aisles and they're going to kind of direct you who to go to so that everybody won't just get on one side and please cooperate with them. But if you'll come, we want to pray with you right now. Remember that we have CDs and DVDs of tonight's service and the two previous services already duplicated back there. Please take advantage of them. And then tomorrow, we're going to have a service at 10 in the morning and then also at 6 p.m. It starts at 6 tomorrow, not 7. And the reason we do that is so that my staff can get all of the things torn down and put up and go to bed at a little better hour. So we start at 6 p.m. tomorrow. Also, we have this meeting about the Bible college tomorrow right after the morning session. And every person that raised their hand saying, you wished you could come to Bible school, you know what, you ought to be at that meeting just to check it out, test the waters, and see what God would have you to do. Amen? Praise God. You're dismissed if you need to be. A lot of people have already done that. But if you want to stay and pray with us. That's just great. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we agree and we thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. It's already been done and that you put this raising from the dead power on the inside of every one of us that we already have it. We aren't approaching our problem as helpless and just begging you to intercede. Father, we believe that you've already placed the same power on the inside of us that raised Jesus from the dead and we release it right now. We resist the devil. We resist sickness. We believe that we are freed and we do not have to live under this bondage any longer and we receive these miracles right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for healings flowing through every single person here. Hallelujah. There's some people here that have tumors on them, lumps. Doesn't matter where it is in your body. It could be a tumor in your head. It could be a breast tumor. It could be tumors on your arms, under your arm, any place. If you've got tumors, I just feel like the Lord is saying he is dealing with this and tumors are going to just dissolve and be gone. If you've got a tumor anywhere on your body, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see which one you are. And I believe that those tumors are leaving you right now in the name of Jesus. Stand and raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for all of these people. We believe that that's a word from you. I believe that your Holy Spirit is just dissolving tumors right now. Tumors be gone. Dissolve. Leave these bodies now in the name of Jesus. Boy, that's a miraculous power of God right there. Father, we believe that miracles are taking place. And I believe that whatever caused these tumors... If there's cancer, we curse cancer and command cancer out of these bodies now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that causes these tumors, we just command the root of it. We curse it at the root and command you to die, to get out of their body now. And Father, I believe that from this moment on, those tumors are breaking down, dissolving and passing from their body and whatever damage they did is being restored that health is coming back unto every person. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive that in Jesus' name. I believe that some of you had your tumors gone instantly. But you know what? Whether it leaves instantly or not, it's cursed at the root right now. And that thing's gonna dry up and leave. Amen. So you just need to believe that right now you've received, and if it happens instantly, praise God. And if it's still there, then just praise God that it's leaving. This is the worst it'll ever be. It's going to get better and better and better. It'll never grow. It'll never progress. You're healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it. Boy, here's a number of people that are being healed of sinus problems. I don't know who, it could be a multitude of things, but if you've got sinus problems, stand and raise your hand. Here's a lot of people receiving this. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever causes these sinus problems, I just speak against this. Some of you, this is something that was put upon you When you were a child because other people who raised you had sinus problems and just projected this thing on you and told you you would have it, and you grew up thinking this is the way it has to be, that's broken over you. You're a brand new person, and in the name of Jesus, you don't have that anymore. We renew our mind, and we resist this and command these sinus problems to leave in the name of Jesus. Father, I loose your power to flow through them command these sinuses to open up. Some of you've got damage to you because you've had problems for so long. There's polyps and things in your sinus, in your nose, and here's the healing power of God. Those things are leaving you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your sinuses are clearing up. Headaches are gone. Pressure is gone. Some of you have had sleeping problems associated with this, and it's gone. You're going to sleep like a baby. That doesn't mean you wake up every two hours crying, amen. You're going to sleep supernatural, amen. You're going to have a blessed sleep in the name of Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you right now. Hallelujah. Somebody here has had a problem right here in the front. I guess it's your esophagus, but it's right here. It wouldn't have to be your esophagus, but I just see that this is where it is. It's right here. If you've got a hiatal hernia, an esophagus problem, I guess acid reflux, but any of these kind of things right here, if that's you, if you've had a problem right here, I want you to stand and raise your hand. What are you having? Uh-uh, I really you. Well, you're being healed of it right now. Isn't that good? Anybody else here, if that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Father, I release this healing power right now. And whatever this problem is, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Esophagus, you be healed. Hearts, you be healed now in the name of Jesus. Father, I lose your power and believe that right now a supernatural anointing from God is flowing through these bodies and that these problems are over with. Gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Man, just start praising God right here is the healing power of God. You're free. This is over. No more. No more. Pain is gone. You're going to be able to eat things that you weren't able to eat before. It's not going to bother you. I believe that you're healed. Father, we receive this healing power right now in the name of Jesus. Boy, lots of things are happening. You know, when you go to teaching on this and people go to realizing that they are now new and that they don't have to live with this stuff, your faith just starts abounding. And people are receiving. People are being set free right now from eyesight problems, ear problems, anything that you need. You've already got it. you got this power. You just need to receive right now. I command ears to open up. I command eyes to open up. We command eyes to see properly. Somebody's got floaters. You have a problem with floaters. Your eyes are being healed. Those veins are being healed. And these floaters are leaving you right now in the name of Jesus. Macular degeneration is leaving right now. Cataracts are gone in the name of Jesus. Glaucoma is gone. Leave now in the name of Jesus. Father, we release your healing power to flow through eyes, through ears, Through our bodies, we just receive your supernatural power. Thank you, Jesus. There's people here dealing with mental issues, and there's a lot of things that that could involve, but this is specifically, I believe that the Lord is ministering to people with things like autism, Alzheimer's, things that just keep you from functioning normally. It may not be you, it may be somebody you're praying for, but right now, we just release this power in the name of Jesus and command these mental issues to be gone. Father, we release the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we believe that that anointing is touching people right now. That their reason is returning back unto them. That these tormenting things are gone. Father, we release your healing power. And Father, we thank you for touching people's lives all across this auditorium. For people who are watching by the internet, I believe that right now, autism is being healed. God's healing somebody. Right there in your home, God is healing you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I release this anointing to flow towards these people. All of these things that are happening here, I believe that it's going to people wherever they are, anywhere in the world, and we command that healing to flow unto you right now in Jesus name there's that power of God flow it in your body hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus father we agree and we receive thank you father I tell you a lot of miracles are happening once you hear the good news that you've been freed then you might as well get up and be free Amen. Isn't that awesome? I believe God's setting people free. Hallelujah. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, our prayer ministers are going to stay down here and pray with you as long as you need to. So please take advantage of that. And uh, I'm going to release you tonight. And remember, tomorrow that we will be back. Amen. So if you can, come back and also get those DVDs and CDs. God bless you.